Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of February 5th through February 7th, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Not a ton of news this week in the box office industry, so likely a bit of a sort of so uh, this week, um, which is all fine and dandy for me, to be honest. Uh, if you've listened to some of my past episodes, you know that I've alluded to another podcast I run on a seasonal basis, um, which is the Oscars Death Race podcast. Uh, the goal of that podcast is I try to watch every film nominated for the Oscars in a given year. With award season just around the corner, um, I'm about to just kick off the season for the 2021 Oscar season um, with episodes releasing every Wednesday starting the day after this episode releases. Uh, you know, I'll include a link to that show in the show notes if you want to follow along, but otherwise make sure you check out the Oscars Death Race subreddit uh, in the same way that our box office is the hub for box office discussion on Reddit. Our Oscars Death Race is where I hang out to talk about Oscar stuff. Uh, anyway, with that housekeeping out of the way, let's get into this, this week's top five films. Uh, domestically, of course. Uh, in first place, in its second week, is The Little Things from Warner Brothers, which made $2.1 million, a 56% drop in 2,206 theaters for a per theater average of $952. Domestic total to date is $7.8 million. The 56% drop is a bit better than the 67% drop Wonder Woman had, uh, which is, was another simultaneous day and date theatrical release in, and HBO release. Um, you know, Internationally, The Little Things has made $5.3 million so far uh, for a worldwide total of $13.1 million. Uh, compared to you know, other uh, R-rated films, you know, Liam Neeson's films would tend to be the more successful ones in pandemic times. Uh, you know, it's, it's done a, a, bit of a st- bit of a steeper drop, um, but, you know, with a higher starting total, is about similar absolute dollar total in its second week. Uh, plus, you know, with Super Bowl weekend, that traditionally is a weekend that which tends to impact box office numbers as people stay in to watch the big game instead of going out. Um, you know, experts estimate that the domestic lifetime totals for this will be in the $14 million range. Um, again, on par with Liam Neeson's Honest Thief, which made about $16 million. Uh, in second place, we have DreamWorks Crudes, A New Aids, in week 11, making $1.6 million, a stellar 8.0% drop from last week in 1935 theaters for a per theater average of $868. Uh, domestic total so far is at $45.9 million, which combined with $101 million internationally gets its lifetime total to $146.9 million. Uh, $150 million looks to be in play by the end of the month, uh, especially as you would make you European markets start to reopen. In third place, we have The Marksman in week four from Open Road. Uh, this film made $959,000 in 2018 theaters, a 23% drop uh, week over week to 476 per theater average. Uh, domestic total is $9 million, plus another $2.3 million internationally, brings us to just under $11.3 million worldwide. Uh, in fourth place, Wonder Woman 1984 slid down, swapping places with the Marksman, uh, making $905,000 in 1864 theaters, a 30% drop to 486 per theater average. Uh, domestic total is $40.3 million, with international numbers being $114.3 million, brings lifetime total to $154.6 million. Um, at this rate, I believe that Crude's New Age will probably overtake it, um, you know, just barely, I think. 
Uh, finally, rounding out the top five once again is Monster Hunter in his seventh week, making a 20% drop to $585,000 in 1476 theaters for a per theater average of $397. Domestic total is $11.8 million, while worldwide totals sit at $25.2 million. Total domestic box office sits at a depressed $7.7 million. Again, remember that Super Bowl weekends are always rough for the box office. Uh, this time last year, we were seeing the debut of DC's other female-led film of 2020, Birds of Prey, uh, to $33 million on top of a $95 million total box office. This coming weekend, we continue into Oscar season with A24's Minari, uh, starring Steven Yuen, uh, releasing with virtual screenings as well as in theaters were available. PVOD for that is coming, I believe, on the 26th. Uh, and then Warner Brothers' Judas and the Black Messiah is debuting on HBO Max and in theaters. Daniel Kaluuya is getting some buzz for Best Supporting Actor, um, as Jared Leto has for The Little Things. Uh, so I might actually end up getting a subscription to HBO Max uh, for the Oscars Death Race podcast. Uh, and of course, you know, the real exciting thing this coming weekend is not here in the States, but abroad, uh, specifically in China, where the Lunar New Year celebration is coming. Uh, Top Dog is expected to be Detective Chinatown 3, which already has a locked in $54 million in pre-sales out of $62 million US dollars for the opening day, February 12th. Uh, the Lunar New Year will have a 50% capacity limit in Beijing and other areas with a bit of an outbreak of the virus, um, but experts expect at least five. $526 million in box office for the entire weekend with Detective Chinatown somewhere in the 250 to $275 million range. Uh, we'll see how it pans out before making a call on how long much it'll make uh, for its lifetime total. Um, in Hong Kong, it looks like social distancing measures will mean that theaters there will be closed over this crucial holiday, however. Anyway, speaking of China, here is their top five for this weekend. No big new players, again, as many people are in anticipation for the holiday weekend coming up. First place, Sockwave 2, made 4.8 million US dollars, lifetime total 197.7 million. Second place, Little Red Flower, 4.6 million US dollars, lifetime total of 217.6 million. In third place, Big Red Envelope, 4.3 million US dollars, lifetime total of 32.6 million. Uh, in fourth place, Sony's Wish Dragon made 2.3 million, a lifetime total of 23.6 million. And then Warm Hug made 2.1 million US dollars, lifetime total of 131.9 in fifth place. And of course, we have to check in on Seoul's performance in China. It finally crossed into the number two slot for Pixar's history in the country, currently sitting at 56 million US dollars ahead of Incredibles 2. It's unlikely to be their number one film, Coco, which made you know over 150 million dollars there. Uh, but you know, great showing to Pete, the Pete Doctor film. Uh, Seoul also beat Crude's numbers in Japan, in China, making it the highest-grossing international film, and also you know uh, of all time of of the year 2020 in China, and the second-highest animated film period behind you know a lo the local Neza uh, sequel. Um, which is you know especially impressive given the availability of the film online for piracy. Uh, in the rest of the world, Seoul currently sits at 96.2 million, just shy of 100 million, with back-to-back -back number one spots in Russia and Korea from last week. 
Uh, heading into headlines, we have one film delay. Uh, Universal and Jennifer Lopez's musical rom-com Marry Me is moving from May 14th, 2021 to the Valentine's Day weekend of February 11th, 2022. Uh, this currently is set to go against Sony's Uncharted. Um, we also have John Chu set to direct uh, Universal's adaptation of the Broadway musical Wicked, uh, somewhat following Hamilton's stage release on Disney+, and the adaptation of Dear Evan Hansen coming later this year. In streaming news, according to one research group, Antenna Research, 85% of subscribers who signed up for HBO Max within three days of Wonder Woman 1984's debut on Christmas Day are still subscribed a month later. That bodes well for the platform, though it doesn't quite factor in how many of those were free subscriptions you know, via the service providers uh, versus retail subscribers. So, uh, But 80, that still you know, seems like the, the bet is somewhat paying off for uh, Wonder Woman, for HBO Max and, H, uh, and from Warner Brothers. Uh, related to HBO Max, Zack Snyder's Justice League officially gets an R rating, so we'll see if and how that affects the draw of his film to the platform. Uh, moving to another studio, Sony, uh, specifically anime streaming site Crunchyroll, hits 4 million subscribers. Uh, not strictly movie news, but hey, uh, they and Funimation are basically Sony's main uh, entries into the streaming wars. Uh, Sony, you know, also released their Q, uh, Q3 fiscal year, uh, you, know, rev- um, you know, earnings report, uh, specifically Sony Pictures, and they made, were able to make a $212 million profit in its fiscal Q3 last year, uh, mostly due to increased revenue from television licensing and home entertainment, despite loss of income from the theatrical revenue. There was only one major theatrical release in the time period, which was Monster Hunter, which had, of course, the botched uh, China release, um, and made only $14 million versus $300 54 million in the same period the year prior with the release of Jumanji 2 and Venom. Uh, Netflix's film Priyanka that starring Priyanka Chopra, Jonas, and co-produced by Ava DuVernay, The White Tiger, uh, is currently sitting at number one in 64 countries, reaching 27 million households over its first four weeks, as reported by Chopra's Jonas. Um, speaking of Netflix, following from last week's news about Coda being the largest acquisition in Sundance history, Netflix made their own high-profile acquisition of Passing, a black-and-white film starring Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega about African Americans from the 1920s who can pass as white. Uh, the film, the deal was for 16 million dollars, which, while not the largest there is, uh, is still fairly substantial. I definitely see this, you know, getting some Oscar buzz uh, in, in, in contention for next year. Um, another Sundance pick up uh, Searchlight, a.k.a. Disney, a.k.a. Hulu specifically, and Star for internationally, picks up Questlove's documentary Summer of Soul for $12 million, a record for the documentary from the film festival. Uh, the documentary covers the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival and won the Grand Jury Prize for documentary and the Audience Award for documentaries. Uh, and finally, not strictly related to box office or streaming, but from Amazon, Jeff Bezos is stepping down as CEO with Andy Jassy stay, set to take over later this year. TBD to see if and how this may affect Amazon Prime Video's streaming options. And finally, checking in on the carnage from last week's Wall Street bet situation. Uh, again, with the beginning of the year, remember AMC stock was at $2.01. Um, the stock waffled between there and $3 through most of January uh, through the 22nd. And then with the week of the craze beginning on the 25th, which happened to coincide with AMC announcing that they secured funding to not go bankrupt this year, uh, the price increased to about $5 before on Wednesday the 27th, spiking to $19.90. Uh, uh, 
we're dipping slightly on Thursday before settling at the end of the week in the $13 uh, range. Uh, since then, last week, uh, it's recorded, uh, it's receded since, you know, dropping to the $8-ish range on Tuesday last week when this episode came out. Um, and now it's de- declined a little bit further, sitting in the 6 to $7 range as of recording. Still, that is a premium above what the beginning of the year was and, you know, even a little bit above the price at the time of the financing, financing announcement they made. Uh, but again, no one knew the crazy gains of Wall Street bets. Uh, it is it is what it is. You know, um, you know, I, I didn't have any position in AMC stock. So, you know, I hope if you bought in that you were able to get out, you know, at a good time. Uh, the crazy thing is that you know, not only is there the book deal that MGA, MGM said they were making um, a movie out of, but a second Netflix film is apparently being in the works with Zero Dark Thirty and Hurt Locker producer Mark Bowell attached to the product. I, I just have no words. I'm just going to end the episode now. Uh, in any case, that like I said, that's it for this week. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I do have another movie-related podcast, the Oscars Death Race podcast, releasing starting tomorrow in its second season. Uh, if you are interested in following films, not only from a financial perspective, but from the narrative of which ones are likely going to win during award season, from the perspective of someone who's trying to see all of them to have an informed opinion, make sure you follow along. Um, next week, we'll also, on this show, be digging into whatever numbers the Lunar New Year holiday in China will be giving us. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to see some nice, juicy numbers. In any case, suit me ideas for what else I should be covering via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Links to our, uh, show no- our listings on uh, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play um, are in the show notes. Uh, if you could leave a review on your podcast service of choice or on podchaser.com or just tell a friend, um, any of that would be super helpful. Uh, numbers on this used in the show come from thenumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at thecompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watts Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.